up this phase. Just trying to holler at y'all and see what's going on. Had a lot on my mind reminiscing, trying to figure out these things that are going on my mind. Trying to figure out some puzzles. I'm not here to start nothing. I ain't trying to start nothing. Just got some things that I want to get done. Some things that I want to get solved. Some things I want to enlighten myself with. So maybe y'all take a time and to get the opportunity to stop by and listen to my thoughts. Hope so. Very intellectual. So if you get time, just holler at me. I'm reminiscing all in my room. Just trying to figure out a whole lot of things. Until then, y'all have a great day. And thank you for coming in and listening to me. Thanks. I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police can kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I got to ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech? Cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't wanna hear the truth, try to act defend the shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even wanna teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this, but the peace to Marcus. Got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in the headlock. I was just thinking, uh, uh, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. These DNA tests for ethnicity are entertainment value only. William Gilliland is a biology professor at DePaul. He says DNA kits can be great for connecting family members and finding relatives. But the science for ethnicity testing isn't as concrete. There's nothing that confident for ethnicity. There's no diagnostic nucleotide. You can say this person is from Europe, this person's from Africa. Chinese Defense Minister argued that recent joint U.S. and Canadian patrols in the region served as a provocation and warned that a fierce confrontation between the U.S. and China would lead to unbearable pain for the whole world. Chinese Defense Minister argued that recent joint U.S. and Canadian patrols in the region served as a provocation and warned that a fierce confrontation between the U.S. and China would lead to unbearable pain for the whole world. Chinese Defense Minister argued that recent joint U.S. arrested a College Park man for possession and distribution of child pornography. The suspect is 47-year-old Patrick Woyang. On, set, on February 17, 2023, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children notified the Prince George's County Police that a social media account operating 
in the county possessed and distributed suspected child pornography. The image and videos have been uploaded to the social media account in January of 2023. Through various investigative techniques, PGPD investigators discovered the social media account belonged to Mr. Patrick Woyan. On February 28, 2023, Prince George's County police detectives served a search warrant at Woyan's College Park home. Investigators recovered multiple cell phones, a storage device, a tablet, and a computer. Following additional investigation, PGPD obtained criminal charges against Woyan and investigators took him into custody early this morning. Woyan is charged with 40 counts of possession of child exploitative material and 16 counts of distribution of the same child exploitative material. He is in custody of the Prince George's County Department of Corrections. This remains an open and active investigation. Who don't love? You do not love black people. You. Man, come I'm on, talking man. to you. Come on, man. Because if you, you truly love enough. black people, you, know you would not tell us to love a race that just murder us and well, take well, advantage well, of us. Well, well, you would not tell you us know, to man. love the oppression. You know, You're telling you know, us that thing. You know, that's how I know that you don't love black people. You don't know Trayvon Martin. Somebody can be shot off. Read to me, please. Read to me, please. Read to me, please. Read to me, please. Chapter 12, yeah. verse 10. Too much. Never. Too much. Trust thine enemies. That's it with God. No, said. no, you ain't fool. Never. Right. Trust thine enemies. Nobody. You trust nobody. Never. Trust thine enemies. Trust nobody. Let me ask you something. Is the Caucasian your friend? Trust nobody. Some of you is your problem. That's your problem right there. Right. The Lord just said, what? Never. That's what the oppressing is. He's a snake. I don't know about that. That's, what, that's your problem. Is, that's your problem. I can't put on about it. I don't know. Your ancestors went into slavery. Well, well. Your ancestors went into slavery. Right. Right. The white man. Me right. Your ancestors have never got justice for getting harmed. We your ancestors have never received you justice from right. um, getting harmed right. and getting stuck on plantations, man. That's the man who God did. You understand that's that? That's the man who God did. you still want to hold on to huh? these people. Huh? Right. I just told you. The definition of Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome is a coping mechanism to a captive. Hold on, a what? A coping mechanism to a captive. This is a definition about you. What's that? This is a definition about you. Uh, uh, coping to capital? It's a coping mechanism to a captive Ooh. or abusive situation. You love your abusive daddy, the white man. Right. You love your abusive daddy, the white man. No. You understand? You say That's I your don't. problem right there. Not or to give repentance to Israel. To Israel. But where, where are you reading from? <laughs> no, but what, what verse are you reading from? I believe this is fair, the one. Acts? Is it Acts? Yeah, the book of Acts. Yeah, it definitely is the book of Acts. Acts 5.31. Acts 5.31. Yeah, Acts 5.31. 
Okay, God exalted this one as as chief agent and savior to his right hand to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Even in your, even in your Bible, it says God gave repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. He didn't give it to nobody else. That's right. I mean, it's the local God. It's not just Israel. It's the Israel of God. It's the Israel of God. Oh, yeah. 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 A local filmmaker is getting $300,000 because a cop brutally attacked him. And it was unprovoked. Let me take you to the first video. Here it is. You take it off like that. Get back. No. Get back. Nope. Keep your hands where you can see them. Keep your hands right up. You're interfering with me, my man. You're interfering. So you're gonna go in the back of the car. That's fine. Okay. I'm not resisting you. I'm not resisting. Put me on the ground. If you keep fighting me, I will. I'm not fighting you. Stop fighting, you're gonna go on the ground. That's ridiculous. So now, the city of Vallejo, California, has agreed to pay $300,000 to the victim. You just saw. Let's put up the pictures of the cop and the victim. Let me take you to the background of what happened. The black male is a local filmmaker. He filed an excessive force lawsuit against the city after he was tackled by that cop. The incident happened back in 2019 when the filmmaker and U.S. Marines veteran uh, Adrian Barrow was recorded. Officer David McCartney holding a motorcycle rider at gunpoint in the driveway of Barrow's home. That is house. He started recording. He's on his property. He started recording. Barrow said in his lawsuit that the officer smashed his face into a wall and swung him into a pole. The officer applied handcuffs so tight it broke the skin on his right hand and left his fingers numb. The settlement money will be used to start a nonprofit organization that will provide the families of individuals who are affected by police violence, will provide some support for them. Settlements involving the same cop. You got the background. Same police officer. This isn't the first excessive force settlement involving the clock. The city agreed to pay $270,698 in a settlement with Santiago Hutchins last year after that same cop held Hutchins at gunpoint while off duty in a parking lot outside a Walnut Creek. Pizzeria in August 2018 in an incident that was also caught on camera. In 2014, that same cop was named in a suit alleging that he and another cop pulled over Frederick Cooley without cause, held them at gunpoint, searched his car. The same cop has been a police officer since 2014 and was previously in the Oakland Police Department. His twin brother, whose name is Ryan, it's also a Vallejo police officer. Both brothers have previously been sued for alleged civil rights violations. Officer David was has also been involved in two shootings since joining the Vallejo police. He and officer Matt Komoda fired on the suspect who was allegedly driving at them before crashing into a parked car. 
August 31st, 2016, nobody was injured. McLaughlin is also one of several cops on the force who alleged was alleged to be part of a group of officers who bent the tips of their star-shaped badges to mark their fatal shootings. The cop testified in court earlier this year that a Vallejo police lieutenant bent the tips of his and his partner's badges following a 2016 shooting. What do they do? They end up killing people and then a superior will bend their badge back as a code to other officers that they are somehow badass as they know how to kill people. Um, let's put up the chiefs. So you have Jason Tock, who was recently appointed interim police chief. When Chief Shawnee Williams abruptly resigned back in August after three years of holding the position earlier this year, 73 out of the 75 police officers uh, who are members of the association voted that they had no confidence in Williams. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, but it happened. This is why we fight for reform. This is why we fight for justice. This is why we fight for accountability. What's your brother thoughts on this? You see how... You see how they got it, man. You see how they doing. Didn't I tell you the police officers are assassins, man? Now you hear that they say that when they kill somebody, they bend they like a badge of honor of death. People who are supposed to be protecting us, right? People that we pay tax, are taking our tax money from, they sitting up here killing us. And one thing... And when he was speaking about the guy filming the police and got all that money, that's why I be trying to tell these guys in Baltimore, y'all brothers ain't got to do that. Y'all got these crooked cops out here going to do something to get y'all paid, man. See, y'all got to know the law and stand on the law and then give you a good representative that going to hold your back when they start doing this stupid shit and get paid. You know, they get paid doing crooked stuff off, off, off colonialism, white supremacy, and KKK because the police force is rotten to the core. So if they going if they going invest rotten people to be a police officer and not holding themselves accountable, sue the joker out of them. But y'all got to have the mindset and the heart. And y'all have to use that wisdom and understanding what the consequences is and how it's going to play out and how you going to play out when they play out. See, my man got paid off that strong lick. He made it, he made it came up and made it been kind of uneasy for him after a while. But when he got that yang yang, he's smiling like doggone he won the lottery. So, if they want to play these games, they want to be aggressive, they want to do this, and y'all got them on film, man, or feminine, y'all make sure y'all be four or five deep. So, you know, somebody had footage. And we could kill two birds at one stone. We can get paid, and we, we can bring loyalty and righteousness back to the police force. 
Yeah, this is for Africa. You know, when I thought, when I heard this, I thought about Africa. Y'all got all that money, man. Y'all got all that talent. Y'all got people that trying to help y'all grow. Y'all don't have the internet or all the stuff that y'all need. And there's some smart people in Africa. I know that. Some of y'all need to link on to this and get something jumping off in the country and helping your nation. Let's analyze. Atlantic Cable began ushering in global communications. And now tech giants are taking that undersea revolution a big step further. Here's Mark Albert. When you pick up the phone to reach out and touch someone across the oceans, it's only possible because of ships like the Global Sentinel. This is cable tank number one. And what am I standing on right now? You're standing on fiber optic cable that's going to be laid from here towards Brazil. E-Connectivity Subcom, which calls itself the world's largest provider of under-ocean fiber optic cable. They're calling it the in New Hampshire. So the cable we're walking on right now will be under the ocean carrying my phone call? Yes, it will. It's a good chance any call you make to South America. The machines use water jets to create a trench, allowing the cable to sink into the seabed and become buried. 95% of all telephone and data is transferred over submarine cables. Not satellite. Not satellite. Y'all didn't catch this, y'all. That's why I be telling y'all. I know some of y'all caught it, maybe, and some of y'all went over y'all head. Now, in my mind, maybe I'm wrong, fam. They said that the satellites, the satellites is the one that bring pings off, off all the information, right? The satellites, the satellites, right? So I'm thinking. You know, my phone call goes, it goes through the satellite pings off or whatever, but it goes to the phone or whatever, you know. So that's what I was thinking. But when I when I just heard what he just said, now, he said 95% of the calls are from underwater. Right? We're going to listen to it again. If that's so, 95, where the 5%? It's the satellite. So I'm saying now, I'm analyzing this, fam. Because you know, I'm always, my mind always clicking. Okay. Now, if they had said all these satellites was up here pinging, and they said they got all these satellites out here. How is. How is um how is the world? I mean, how is my thing is I'm still trying to figure out how did they how did they they break the um they they broke the spear. They broke the um the witch call that the most high put up on there. They broke that. So I'm still trying to figure that out. How they broke that and went up there to the sky, up there to the, the stars and all that other stuff. Now, they've analyzed this. Now, if we analyze it now, that most of the wiring and phone stuff is from underwater. Let's hear it. Analyze it. 
allowing the cable to sink into the seabed and become buried. 95% of all telephone and data is transferred over submarine cables. Not satellite. Not satellite. This is the first white man that has said, well, how can we move on? This should put you in the White House. You could go negotiate with, with ISIS and Baghdad. You would, you would stop reporters' heads from getting cut off because you're willing to negotiate. So let's, let's negotiate. Let's negotiate. White people benefited from the crimes and the slavery of their ancestors. So you're telling me that because I exist, I agree with everything my ancestors No, that is what I'm saying. Abraham has one. Go to your house. Break in. Clean your house out. And I take all your money and I live. Then I die and my kids spend your money. Aren't there accessories to a crime? Yes. They receive. No. Crossing the borders. But crossing the border is not a crime. It's not a crime when the Mexicans own this land. The crime is white people murdered Mexicans and stole America. General Floyd, thank you for agreeing to meet with us today. Ah, yes, you are most welcome. Giving you a chance to beg and plead for mercy before we destroy your planet is my favorite part of the job. No, please. Don't destroy us. We don't deserve this. <laughs> the looks on their faces. It's a hoot. Uh, perhaps we should start out by introducing ourselves. Uh, I'm Chief of Space Operations, General Foreman. Uh, he, him. Undersecretary of State, Angus Miller. He, him. Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Amanda Williams, she, her. And what exactly is a Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer? It's my job to be a black woman. Well, good job then. And what is this, this he, him, she, her, of which you are all speaking? Those are our gender pronouns, so you know which gender we identify as. Ah, uh, I appreciate that, but I am pretty good at telling the difference between the two genders. A man, man, woman. Hmm. Nailed it! That was a lucky guess, but there are way more than just two genders. Fascinating. We've been probing humans for years, and we have only discovered the two. Uh, how many uh, genders are there? Seventy-two. It's hard to know, really. It's changing all the time. So, your species is evolving that rapidly. Remarkable. Uh, perhaps while you are sitting here, you will grow additional limbs or develop the ability to breathe underwater. Um, no, that's not what we meant. It's too bad. I breathe underwater. It's a lot of fun. If you threw 20 pennies into a pool, I could dive down and pick them all up without ever once resurfacing. Boom. What, no applause? So, what are these genders and how do they function? Function? Understand. Why, yes. On uh, my planet, uh, the female gender is the giver of life, raising and nurturing our young, preserving our civilization for eons to come, while the males mostly just mow our space lawns and make multiple trips to space home depot. What you are talking about is sex. Gender is something different. Exactly. People can identify with genders different than their natal sex or with none at all. But why? It's just the way we feel. No! 
was the way we were born. Well, of course, a lot of times they don't realize how they were born until someone tells them. Someone like a teacher, social media influencer. And uh, what exactly are these various genders? You, you, you have me very curious. Well, there's non-binary, which is someone who identifies as both genders. Doesn't saying I identify as both genders imply that there are only two genders? Was it? No, no it's... Shut up! Actually, it's genderqueer that is the term that refers to people who identify as both genders. You know, like my nephew. I thought that was gender fluid, like my niece. No, no, that shifts around. No, bigender shifts around, like my stepson. It can. Well, oh, unless you're Native American, in which case it's two-spirit. Like my cousin, who got into Harvard because they's one-sixteenth Native American. Oh, I understand. On this planet, there are people who are men, and people who are women, and people who are mentally ill. I can understand that it's confusing. It can be difficult to keep track of all the different genders. There's so many of them. There's, there's gender vague, there's gray gender, demigender, autigender, omnigender, polygender, and about 10 different kinds of trans. And those are just the ones that my nephew has identified as in the last month. When I was- there's also bigender, which is two genders, those genders being male and female, or a combination of all genders, including agender, which is no gender at all. So Space it can actually simultaneously be no gender at all plus a gender. Pretty cool, huh? The planet has no sign of intelligent life. Official recommendation, destroy. No, please don't destroy us! We don't deserve it! We... Well, there's, there's that look. Well, sorry. Can't wrap my head around this gender theory concept. Well, I want to help you. I'm going to show you a highly classified document. It's the new Babylon Bee book, the Babylon Bee Guide to Gender. It actually helps you choose your gender, gives you all kinds of ideas for your different pronouns or gender flags, and it educates you on all 437 genders. And they got stick figures. They're, they're pretty cute. It, it all makes so much sense now. Thank you, Babylon Bee. So, uh... Does this mean you're not going to destroy us? Yeah. Oh, not a chance. <laughs> With this so-called miracle drug. The so-called cure works so well, heroin addicts get clean almost instantly. But the problem is it's illegal, and there are some serious risks involved. But we spoke to one young man who knew if he didn't do something, his addiction to heroin would kill him. Relapse was more violent than the previous time. That's when Jake and his family considered another option. Ibogaine, a potent hallucinogenic drug that comes from a plant in Africa. It's said to greatly reduce withdrawal symptoms and drug cravings. The big problem, it's illegal in the U.S. I started looking into it, my parents looked into it, and I was like, you know, maybe there's something to this, but I was still very skeptical. But Jake was also desperate, his life out of control, so he decided to give it a try. Welcome, Ibogaine University. This clinic in Mexico has been treating drug addicts with Ibogaine for the past four years. I'm in Mexico, you do it in a place that's legal and safe, and then you go home clean and sober. It's staffed by former users and a full medical team. They pre-screen candidates and test the drug on them first. Then doctors give addicts one individualized dose of Ibogaine. You prevent the patient from going into physical withdrawals, and also you prevent the patient from actually getting uh, the cravings to continue using again. It kind of 
research to bring chemistry. Ibogaine University has seen more than 600 people and say they've never had a fatality. Jake spent about 10 days in Mexico and was amazed how he felt after his Ibogaine treatment. It got me clean overnight, took away all my withdrawals. I mean, it's a gift. Now, Jake looks forward to the future, a future without drugs. There's been very little research done on Ibogaine, so experts are hesitant to call it a cure, but addicts who have used it say it's helped them get clean and stay clean. The drug... I am on your side, mostly. But what you say about Russia is not true. Russia is a capitalist society, and Putin is not an evil or evil man just because he was part of the KK, KGB. That's no different than the CIA, Scotland Yard, or CSIS in Canada. And he's no longer part of that, and he's done an amazing job as a president for his country and his people. And people should respect him and be proud of that. I have lots of Russian friends, and I know that Russians are not as hateful or racist as North Americans. And when they go into countries, they're not there to conquer and steal like we have done over and over again. Thank you, my sister, for standing up for Canada. But there's nothing respectful about Canada or the United States. Our leaders are tyrants, and they are way worse than Mr. Putin. And Cubans, Cubans have no fear of Putin or Russia. Okay, y'all, we grown, right? So let's hurt some feelings real quick. So a lot of y'all females always talking about how a man got to be a certain size, right? But are you a certain size? And I'm not talking about weight. Is it like throwing a hot dog down the hallway or do you really got grip? Because women with grip ain't going around talking about he got to be this, he got to be that, he got to be this, he got to be that. Like y'all be exposing more about yourselves than y'all do about the man y'all think y'all talking about. Like that's just the honest truth. I ain't never heard a woman who has virtue and and who is, you know, well intact down there talking about she want a man of a certain size. Maybe you need a man of a certain size because otherwise you won't feel anything. And P.S., and that's why it doesn't pay to sleep around because the more you sleep around, the more it takes to please you. The more you sleep around with man to man to man, you have 300 men to compare it to. So of course it's going to be hard to please you. Close your legs and you'll be pleased a lot easier. I'm just, I'm, the less men you sleep with, the easier it is to please you. Basically, y'all sexual appetites are through the roof. You know, a lot of y'all need to just lock it up for a while. Like, you, you're so over-sexualized. And that's why you need toys, you need this, and can he match my freak, and all of that, because... You're over-sexualized. Like, I'm just trying to tell y'all. I, I Don't listen to me if you don't want to. Different Bibles, you're right. They come out with so many different Bibles in an attempt to take the, the, the proof that these are black people that we're reading about. And the sad part is we should embrace it because these are extraordinary black men. And if young black men like you see in the Israelites mimic what's in that Bible and learn from those men in that Bible, they become supermen. That's why they move about this earth and people see them and they so strong and they seem intimidating and they so masculine and they so disciplined because they are reading about other black men who are truly role models. 
we mad every time some ball player rapes a woman or does some madness because we're looking at the wrong role model. We should be looking at these black role models in this Bible and wash off the idea that this is a white man's book or a white man's philosophy in the whole Christian world. I agree. Thank you so much. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'm an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the light behind. Staring at the stars, wishing I had the time. But my kids need food and my girl needs me. Sometimes I dream that I'm finally free So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise And I'm a child and I'm body with all my voice I'm a street kid now, but one day I'll be an island boy I'm just trying to make it, I'm an island boy Island boy, I'm an island boy A country that has toppled so many governments in Africa, that has led so many coups in Africa and other parts of the world, a country that has killed so many of our leaders in Africa and other parts of the world, the killers of Patis Rumumba, those who toppled Kwame Nkrumah, Those who killed Nasser, those who killed Muammar Gaddafi, today are coming to teach us about democracy. A country that has been built on a brutal force, on enslavement of other human beings, on the humiliation of Africans, the exploitation of Africans, the plunder of Africa, Today is coming to teach us about democracy. <laughs> if you have no respect for the dignity of others, if you have no respect for the sovereignty of other countries, you cannot claim to be a champion of democracy. So let's talk about Syria. The West is lying about Syria and they're using the media, the mainstream media, to push their lies and it needs to stop. This is one of those stories that I hope that you share out to people that are fairly ignorant about what has unfolded in Syria over the past couple of years. Because if you watch CNN, you're going to get one narrative that's been totally debunked, totally false. And the reporters and anchors and, and the corporate media should be ashamed of themselves for pushing this because it's led to the death of tens of thousands of people thanks to this false narrative. So what's new this week in Syria? Well, this week, a chemical watchdog group now says that Syria did. They say this. They say that they, Syria did use chemical weapons on civilians in 2018 in the city of Douma. Now, this was the event, of course, this chemical weapons attack in Douma that prompted the United Kingdom to join the United States and France in bombing the hell out of Syria and destroying this country. See? 
Britain and France. Now, France want to ooze over there with bricks after France done did all them evil things to people. You see what I'm talking about, fam? France is already that crafty council, right? They dealing with America and then they going to try to act like, well, act like we want and then be, you know, do that crafty council trying to join bricks. Putin on point. France did too much devilment trying, then trying to trying to act like he, they want to be a part of something that's trying to be successful. Crafty council. This beautiful country with beautiful people. But this is the same watchdog group, by the way, that had whistleblowers leave and accuse them of a cover-up to justify Washington's war on Syria. So you had whistleblowers within this organization that said, wait, this whole thing is a cover-up, and here's what happened. Of course, it was silenced in the mainstream media. This same group is now coming out saying, yep, Syria used chemical weapons. The mainstream media has done an amazing job of gymnastics on this. Backbends and, and, and warrior, you know, I know, warrior poses and downward dog, all sorts of gymnastics and bending over backwards, basically, not to mention this part of the story, not to mention the whistleblowers, not to mention the cover up, the debunking of this. So we are going to fill in the gaps for them since the mainstream media sucks. We're going to fill in the gaps where their blinders fell off, if you will. So first of all, why is Washington waging this war in the first place? Why in the hell? How many of you even, I mean, you're a smart audience. All of the tens of thousands of you watching this show hopefully understand this, that the United States has been actively bombing Syria for years. Why? Like most Americans who aren't watching this show are like, really, we're in Syria? Why are we bombing Syria? Why are we in Yemen? Why are we in Somalia? Most people don't even know. So why is Washington waging this war? Foreign policy, foreign policy analyst Stephen Gowans lays this out in his book, exactly why. It has nothing to do with democracy at all, like we're spreading democracy. It has nothing to do with that at all. It has everything to do with money. So I'm going to read a quote from Stephen Gowan's book, Washington's Long War on Syria. He writes, on behalf of Wall Street, the United States' most politically influential sector, successive U.S. governments waged a war on Arab nationalist Syria, not to support the spread of democracy, which Syria's Arab nationalists had developed to a far higher degree than had Washington's prized Arab allies, but to eliminate opposition to a Washington-led global economic order which prioritized the pursuit of profit above all other considerations. So we here in Syria want other things. We're not concerned about profit. We're concerned about the prosperity of our own our own population. We're not like you, Washington, D.C. We're different. Can you imagine that? Well, that doesn't sit well with Washington. So he lays out in his book how the U.S. has been after Syria for many reasons uh, since Bashar al-Assad's father, Hafez al-Assad, uh, in the 1960s. Why? So to put it simply, the Ba'athists support Islamic independence. This is also called secular Arab nationalism. And Syria, to anyone who understands Syria, is a country that is welcoming to all religions, essentially a melting pot of religions, and where it's openly shared and loved. Anyone Talk to anyone who, who's from Syria, who lives in Syria. That's what the country was famous for. We don't like that, I guess. And so 
Ba'athists support Islamic independence. They also call it's also called secular Arab nationalism. They want Arab resources for Arab people also. And they want to use it to bring education and bring health care and they want prosperity for their population. And that means no U.S. competition in the region. None. Think of what that could do if it were to succeed. If the U.S. and all of their garbage were kept away. According to Gowans, he writes, Ba'athists such as Bashar al-Assad, the president, threaten the United States and its Western allies in distal and proximal ways. The distal threat presented by Assad and other Arab nationalists related to their aspiration to unify the world's approximately 400 million Arab speakers into one single large state with control over the Arab world's vast petroleum resources. This state, which would combine the sophistication of Cairo, Damascus, and Baghdad, with the oil wealth of the Arab Gulf states, would be large enough and rich enough to challenge U.S. hegemony in West Asia and North Africa. Moreover, he says, an Arab superstate, basically. It would become an Arab superstate. So the oil wealth of the, that region, like if the U.S. was pushed out of it, they would be, they would, it would basically crush the U.S. hegemony. So the U.S. doesn't like that, right? The U.S. wants to hang on to U.S. dollar reserve hegemony through war and other means, no matter what. Well, it's, it's, a, it's really rich of the United States to be like, you know, we want democracy all over the world. But it's like we put this country or these people in a position where they have to make a decision like this. Like they don't have a choice. Yeah. It's either let us come in, let us destroy your country, let us take all your resources or figure out a way to stop us. We're, we're forcing them to do this. And then the more we do what we do around the world, this is going to happen more and more. There's going to be more people uniting against what we do. Yeah, and we're already seeing that, right? We're seeing this alliance mm -hmm. of the BRICS nations. But, uh, you know, and you're right. And the, and the real thing is not the weapons. I mean, that's the big piece of this. We've been bombing them for years, of course. But it's really, it's the economic sanctions. And as Vanessa Bealey wrote in a new in a, a report in December, and Vanessa, by the way, uh, amazing journalist, she's going to be on the show tomorrow. Um, we were talking today about the sanctions, and she's just saying, you know, it's absolutely crushing to the Syrian people. You don't understand, like, the average monthly salary for a Syrian is like 27, equivalent of like $27. They can't, well, and, yeah, and think and about the it. only way they can buy fuel is on the black market, and it's, it, I think it's like 30 times that amount just to buy a little bit of fuel for it. They don't have fuel, they don't have energy, they don't have anything. Because of the well, sanctions. Think about like there are certain states that we do this to or countries that we do this to. They have a, a, a more like a stronger middle class so they can sustain some of the sanctions. Right. So Russia sustaining it. There's other countries that can sustain it. But the but these countries are not like wealth driven countries. So right. they, they're already poverty, poverty. They can afford like they get their food, they get the things that they need. But if you if you get into that at all, you're taking literally life saving supplies away from them. And these sanctions will kill people. Now, like I said, it's, it's oh, yeah. other countries can withstand it, but they can't. Yeah, like Iran can withstand it and has been. Mm -hmm. uh, Russia absolutely has actually prospered under it. But yeah, Syria has not. Uh, it's been absolutely soul crushing. People freezing to death. Um, with no fuel, thanks to Western sanctions. All because we want to have our stamp in that area. And of course, we, we lie about it. We absolutely lie about it. Wake up, people. Please share this video out with people. Like, we are liars. The West is a group of liars, and they're killing people. And if more people can band together and share this, we might make a change in the world. So 
you know, you have big business, right? So big business leans on Washington in this to clear the way for them in these areas to say, hey, we want to have access to these oil. So United States, you've got to clear the path for us through military might or sanctions. And then Washington abides by this, ripping Syria to shreds and backing the al-Nusra, which is, of course, al-Qaeda-backed government opposition. So they are religious fundamentalists. So the U.S. aligns with religious extremists in order to topple governments they don't like. So, yes, the United States has been funding and supporting al-Qaeda in Syria for years. For years. And people say, no, no, that's not possible. That's not possible. The hell it isn't. We're literally giving them money and weapons. And this has been going on for years, high, well documented. And on the one hand, you literally well, had al-Qaeda and ISIS being funded by both the CIA and the FBI differently in the same same country at the same time. Go ahead. Well, and, and you go back, this has been for centuries, because even if you go back to like the Indian wars and stuff in America, they used Indian scouts and things to help find people. And then once they use them, once they're done with them, they just turn their backs on them and then they just become another enemy. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened right now. We're seeing the very, very same thing happen. Where and then what will happen is once we're once we're done using you, we'll bomb you, which is exactly what's happened in Afghanistan when we've we've turned our backs on these people. And by the way, why do you think that so many of the weapons funneling into these areas are winding up in the hands of these Al Qaeda fighters who are now making their way and now are are fighting in Ukraine, which we've covered here on. See y'all. That's why I say. And for y'all young guys and young females out here, y'all young people, y'all need to keep y'all minds off that politics and start focusing on foreign affairs. The foreign affairs, man, what's going on in different places in different areas. So, you know, I challenge some of y'all young guys out there, 19, 20, 21, 22, and so on. Y'all check out, be mindful of this foreign affair, what they got going on. You see all the crafty council, like he explained about the Indians, the uh, uh, handkerchief Indians sell out their people, just like the handkerchief Negro sell out their people, and other people selling out their own people in, 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 with the notion of colonialism, white supremacy and KKK and they thinking they doing a good gesture but they ain't and then after they get through what they say they get through using you treating you like a fool and whatever they destroy you this is the history man this is the history let's analyze the United Nations Security Council has unanimously voted to end its decade-long unsuccessful peacekeeping mission in Mali. The mission will have only six months to withdraw from the West African country. This month, Mali's foreign minister, Abdoulaye Diop, asked the force to leave without delay. Mali also kicked out French troops in 2022. Mali's foreign minister accused the UN mission of failing to respond to security challenges. The peacekeeping mission was established in 2013 to stabilize the country amid a rebel insurgency. He called on the United Nations Security Council to withdraw a peacekeeping mission operational in the country for a decade, citing its failure to respond to security challenges. Minusma head El Ghassim Wayne reacted to Mali's decision, 
saying it was nearly impossible to maintain the mission without the host country's consent. There have been several protests in Mali and other parts of Africa, like the Democratic Republic of Congo and the Central Africa Republic, all calling on UN peacekeepers to leave due to failing to help. The United See y'all, some of these people getting in Africa. But y'all gotta stand up a whole like a whole nation, man. And then y'all gotta think about they always gotta infiltrate. Yeah, look to the man on the left, look to the man in the right, look at the man in front of you, look at the man in the back of you, and look at the man in the, the corner of your vision. Because, you know, if y'all going, if this is going to be a cycle and a roller coaster, then y'all still let this thing flow. Y'all need to, like I say, get y'all country back to cleaning it up. Get our country back to cleaning it up and and start growing and feeding the people and treating the people who is in that land and give them the right to live on their land and, and live happy before you bring in other strangers that come into this land. The people of this land should enjoy the fruits of this land and and be successful in this land. And when they got whatever they need and there's other stuff. They can share with other nations that want to come and, you know, be a part of the land. But, you know, we'll see what they do. We'll see how they roll. The Nation Security Council has unanimously voted to end its decade-long unsuccessful peacekeeping mission in Mali. The mission will have only six months to withdraw from the West African country. This month, Mali's foreign minister, Abdoulaye Diop, asked the force to leave without delay. Mali also kicked out French troops in 2022. Mali's foreign... And that's what I'm saying. Kicked out the French in 2022. If the Mali kicked out the French, I hope they ain't paying French money. Because the French is trying to get into the uh, bricks and they, they, they embezzling... Um, what, $500 billion from Africa? Crafty Council, man. Crafty Council. That's that's why, you know, you got to watch this France and they Crafty Council. You know, y'all can say what y'all want to say, but y'all, all the evidence points out to what the evidence is. What you talking about, Faye? What you talking about? You know, you know, a lot of things about France been popping up in my in my vision, in my view. So, you know, I'm going to let y'all know, you know, people trying to feel sorry for France. But France got to deal with their crafty counsel against people when the Most High puts his judgment, of course. So, like I say, United States, Britain, France, and the rest of them, but those are the three always running the pack. Let's analyze. After facing rejection from Russia to attend this year's BRICS meeting in Africa, French President Emmanuel Macron criticized Russia's presence on the African continent during the new global financing pact summit just held in Paris. Macron stated that Moscow's influence in the region does not benefit the international community, 
referring to it as a destabilizing force in Africa through the utilization of private militias that prey on and commit abuses against civilian populations. He accused Russia of destabilizing Africa through the deployment of the private military group Wagner. The Kremlin swiftly dismissed President Macron's allegations, denying that Russia is a destabilizing force in Africa. This accusation came as a surprise to many in Africa, particularly considering France's very destabilizing actions in Africa. At present, 14 African countries are forced by France, through the colonial pact, to deposit 85% of their reserves in the Central Bank of France, which is under the control of the French Ministry of Finance. Additionally, Togo and approximately 13 other African countries still have outstanding colonial debts to France as of 2023, after facing rejection from Russia to it. ...of Libya started, the African Union, with our chairman, who is here now, this gentleman here, they formed a committee, a committee of a few of us, I think we were six. I was one of them. The whole of the African Union gave that committee a mandate to look for a solution for the Libyan problem. Now, on one occasion, I didn't go that time. These excellencies, this one here, Jacob Zuma, and the others, I, I was not there, but my, my minister was among them. They entered a play in workshop in his place. They were going to Libya to mediate. And they were told by NATO Go back. Yes. Said you go back. Yes. He's here. If I'm telling you lies. France is burning. For almost a week straight, rioters have taken over the streets, torching shops, joyriding in stolen buses, and even ramming a supercar to the front of a little supermarket. Sparked by the fatal police shooting of 17-year-old Nahel Merzouk, a French Algerian living in one of Paris's ghettoized suburbs, it is the worst violence to rock the country in more than a decade. But it is far from the first time that this has happened. Since the 1970s, France's notorious banlieue neighborhoods have periodically exploded into riots, driven by crushing inequality, gangs, and police brutality. Back in 2005, the whole country had to be put into a state of emergency to quell three weeks of deadly violence. And there are fears it is facing an even bigger crisis now. This is what sparked the riots currently engulfing France what really lies behind them, and why the country's history seems doomed to repeat itself. The unrest began on June the 27th in Nanterre, a banlieue or suburb of Paris on the western outskirts of the city. Nahel, a 17-year-old delivery driver, was spotted at the wheel of a yellow Mercedes with Polish number plates in a bus lane shortly before 8 a.m. Two officers on motorbikes said he was driving fast with two other boys in the car, so they decided to stop him at a red light. Nahel fled, but police caught up to him in traffic, 
which is when they drew their guns and approached the car on foot. Accounts of what happened next differ. Prosecutors say the officers ordered Nahel out of the car and shot him at point-blank range when he tried to drive at them. But one of the passengers has claimed the officers actually beat Nahel with their guns, causing his foot to slip off the brake, at which point the car lurched forward and he was shot. Video, which documented part of the killing, appeared to capture one of the officers saying, you're going to get a bullet in the head. Regardless of what exactly happened, the shooting proved fatal. Just like George Floyd's killing by police in the US, footage of Nahel's death went viral and sparked outrage, which quickly turned into rioting. Those riots have now been going on for almost a week and have spread from Paris to cities right across the country. President Emmanuel Macron has blamed social media for fanning the flames of the riots, calling for tech giants to delete the content. He has also accused young people of living the violent video games that have intoxicated them. Thousands of people have been arrested, hundreds of officers have been hurt, cars, buses, trams and buildings have been torched and armed men have taken over the streets. In perhaps the most shocking incident, rioters drove a car into the home of a small town mayor in the middle of the night, leaving his wife with a broken leg and injuring his children. President Macron has been forced to deploy France's GIGN special forces to try and bring the situation under control and has so far resisted calls to declare a state of emergency. The last time that happened was in 2005, during riots sparked over the deaths of two other migrant boys in a police chase, which ended up lasting for three weeks and cost the lives of two more people. Mr. Macron was quick to denounce Nahel's killing as unjustified, but after a backlash from cops, he now blames social media and video games. Munia, Nahel's mother, has also spoken out, leading street marches in a Justice for Nahel t-shirt and cheering people from atop a van. She was even filmed revving a motorbike engine in front of excited crowds, which has sparked some criticism. To understand why the riots are happening, it is best to look at where they are happening, which is inside impoverished suburban neighborhoods known as bonlieus. These areas are notorious hotspots of unrest, where multiple generations of poor migrants end up being effectively cut off from the rest of society. They are crammed into low-quality housing, devoid of access to good schools, and often discriminated against in the job market, meaning the prospects of children born in these areas are bleak. That attracts crime, which in turn draws the attention of police, whose sometimes heavy-handed tactics lead to allegations of systemic racism. That toxic combination makes the Bonlieus tinderboxes of tension, which have triggered cycles of mass violence down the years. The first such riots took place in Lyon all the way back in the 1970s and inspired a famous French film called La Haine, which was released in the 1990s. Filmed in the wake of a real-life riot, it documents the hopeless lives of three friends who are confronted by a world of police brutality 
and violence. Successive French governments have been accused of doing little to address the problem. And the same charge will now be levelled against Mr Macron. It is a far cry from 2017 when Macron came to power with a promise of sweeping reforms to aid the bon loose. But he quickly watered down the package and six years on, it seems little has changed and the cycle of violence has begun again. France has seen a proliferation of gangs and gang violence in recent years, with the bon use at the heart of the problem. Gangs themselves are nothing new, but membership is thought to have exploded during COVID, when school closures and lockdowns meant that vulnerable youngsters went without support and were lured into a life of crime. Around 10% of young men living in France's deprived neighbourhoods are now thought to belong to gangs, meaning tens of thousands of people across the country. That has led to an accompanying rise in violence, with the number of clashes logged by police jumping 25% in the first year of the pandemic. It has not subsided since, and in many cases, has become worse. Marseille, one of the hardest hit cities, saw 32 people shot dead by gangs last year, alone. In Paris, the school holidays have turned into bloodletting seasons as teenagers engage in tit-for-tat killings. Three died in the space of just one week in February 2021. Experts say poverty rates, which have been steadily rising since 2004, and underfunded social services are contributing to the problem. But another driving factor has been social media, which has both helped promote gang culture to young people and facilitated arguments that spill over into real-world violence. Amidst the current riots, videos of the unrest circulating online have been credited with inspiring copycats and fermenting the outrage. Meanwhile, gangs have been using encrypted messaging apps to organise themselves. France also has a problem with police brutality. Though officers the world over will always face accusations of excessive force, statistics show that cops in France kill and injure more often than any other force in Europe. Unlike many of its European neighbours, French cops are generally armed. The Hell's death was the third fatal shooting by police during a traffic stop this year and comes off the back of a record 13 such shootings in 2021. People living in the banlieues say violence is common during stop and searches by police, particularly against teenage boys, leading to widespread fear of cops. That leads to boys fleeing from officers, as in the Hell's case, which in turn can prove fatal. Statistics show both shootings and searches disproportionately affect black and Arab people, leading to claims of racism, which further worsen tensions and trust in the authorities. French officers also have a poor record when it comes to policing riots, leading to thousands of people getting injured, sometimes seriously. During the Yellow Vest demonstrations back in 2018, some 2,500 protesters were hurt, including several who lost eyes or limbs. Experts say 
This is because French riot cops are taught to escalate their own use of force to de-escalate tense situations and make liberal use of rubber bullets and batons. Rather, France is burning for almost... See, y'all, and if you go back, he talking about the internet, I mean, people um, recording stuff, putting it out there is a problem. You know, information and, and, and all this. Well, why you don't say that when they put that on TV? Why they, When they putting all this other stuff on TV, why you don't say that? You know, this is why they try to stop everybody from knowing what's going on so they can do their little damage. So they can go over here and crowd control, kill people and all this. And the other the half of the other world don't know what's going on. And then other people that see what's going on and want to be a part of this freedom that they represent. Because right now, I told you, man, the French and the United States, the same people, they're doing the same method. They're killing the same people. And uh, the blacks and the Arabs and all these other people and stuff like this, man. And then they got a nerve. And they got a nerve. And they got a nerve to want to join Brits. Crafty Council, y'all. Crafty Council. Let's talk about freedom. 
The Negro says, I want my freedom now. And others say, never. The voice of a responsible, educated, non-biased person says, togetherness. There is no other way. Until justice is blind to color. Until education is unaware of race. Until opportunity is unconcerned with the color of a man's skin. Emancipation will always be a proclamation. But not a fact. <laughs> you see, prejudice squints when it looks and lies when it talks. Damn fool, tell them don't get Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Tell them dope. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards. Tell them dope. Prejudice bastards. Prejudice bastards.